Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Angela N. Holton, an international coach, speaker, author, Yahoo's top 10 relationship coach, creator of the Conscious Love and Dating Method, and founder of Love Sanctuary, an online spiritual and personal development site centered on helping women create the relationship and love they desire from the inside out. Welcome, Angela. Hello, Talia. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. I have to say, you look stunning today. Thank you for (laughs) (laughs) dressing up. I had to. This is for you and all the rebel lovers out there. That's all rebel lovers. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited today to talk about the conscious love and dating method. But before we do, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are now and what led you down this path. Yeah, wow. Such a big loaded question. (laughs) So, you know, I've been a I've been a coach trained and certified for going on seven years, but really my entire life has been committed to service and helping others. My background is in social work and psychology. And so I've always been geared toward the psychological and emotional well-being of humans and human relationships. So it was really quite natural for me to become a coach, even though I took a diversion from my background in real estate in New York for 13 years. But found my way back into coaching. And it was really from a birthing place of painful labor for me. I went through a really difficult time in my life when I lost my dog, actually. And it was really feelings of emptiness that and, and voids that came boiling up to the surface that led me to really talk about my pain. And not that in one thing that ever really happened in my life that created a specific trauma, but just probably life in general, right? The series of experiences and disappointments that we have, that we think that we've healed from them. We think that we've moved on from them, but somewhere they get tucked in the heart. They get tucked in the body. And so when my dog was the catalyst, losing my dog was the catalyst to really coming to terms and facing all my past grievances. And so it was really difficult. But through that, I birthed Love Sanctuary, which became my my safe haven, my inner sanctum to write and blog and connect with people and women particularly that felt similar to me that felt like, you know, I've done all the right things in life. I've got this, I've got that, but something still feels like it's missing. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, what I thought was missing for me was this perfect relationship, this family, marriage, children, that whole thing. And because that's the image that I created for myself at such a young age. But what I really realized was missing was this deeply profound loving relationship with myself and stepping and owning my life purpose and my life's work. And so I stepped into being a coach with much power, conviction, and passion. And then that really naturally, because the center of it was always self-love and self-empowerment, and that naturally evolved into cultivating love and relationships for women. And now even more specific as we're in these unusual dating and relationship times with the pandemic. So that's Mm -hmm. my story. And that's the abbreviated version of my story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, you talk about the catalyst. I think I've had, I had one of those big catalysts as well, where like everything comes up and, and I kind of describe it as like the ache of life. Like you said, there wasn't like, sometimes it's not just one thing. It's like lots of little things because, yeah. you know, I, I feel like, um, I was thinking about this the other day with teenagers, like, 
you know, it's hard being a teenager, right? Because it's like you're coming into your, from your childhood into your adult life. And then you realize all these crushing realities about the world and about like how you feel about it. And that you're just like this tiny person in a sea of, <laughs> yeah. of people. Yeah. And you know, there's yeah. just a lot going on. I think that happened for me in my mid twenties when I realized, you know, I kind of thought there was a formulaic equation to life. You go to school, you get the degree, you go here, then you get the, the marriage, the children, the white picket fence. And when the other parts weren't happening after I had done my part, I was like, wait, what is this? And that's when you realize that, you know, what life is, or you're, that you're really figuring it out, that there is, you are small in this big reality and this big world, but that doesn't make your life and your story, and your journey any less significant because what we feel personally feels really paramount, feels really tantamount and big. But so, yeah, for me, it was my twenties. And so I, I just share my narratives and my story with women and empowering them to love themselves in a really deep, meaningful and rich way. And then pr- really practical f- format, uh, practicality, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that uh, sharing is the, the, the closest, the quickest way to bridge that gap, isn't it? Between like one mind and another mind. It's like, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable with you and share some things that, because here's the thing, most people say, oh my gosh, I felt that too. Or I've been through that or something similar, or, you know, exactly. it's like, we think that we're alone, but we're really not, there's not much. And and that's when I, when I lost my dog and I realized, okay, it's okay to talk about my pain because the reality is some, everyone's going through some type of battle. Mm -hmm. And I gave myself the voice and the permission to talk about it and share it. And it was so cathartic and liberating to be able to share my pain and normalize pain because Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you look at platforms like Instagram and Facebook, where everyone's curating these perfectly happy lives. And, you know, you do see the narratives of what's happening outside of those photos, you know, the back scene stories. And I think it's important to share those narratives, not you don't have to give all the nitty gritty, but I think sharing our vulnerability and our struggles, especially as a coach or an influencer and someone who wants to create impact, you know, people connect to you when they hear your story because. They want to know that it's possible for them too. Mm-hmm, totally. It's possible. Totally. It's possible. That's right. And I think, you know, what kept going through my mind when you were just saying that was that like a dog is a family member. So you basically lost a member of your family who was very close to you, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. He was the child that I wanted my whole life. And yeah. it didn't matter to me. He had four legs and right. he, the love was unconditional. And mm-hmm. so I can feel that moment still, you know, mm-hmm. of when I lost him and that pain is a reminder for me of love. And while I, it was a really dark night of the soul for me, the night he died, it's still a really powerful moment for me because, you know, the heart has the capacity to feel and experience so many things. And so I appreciate that moment of pain that I'll never forget. And I don't want to forget because it reminds me of the depth of my love. And so there's space and capacity to feel all these different things, pain, mm-hmm. joy, and owning all of it and not trying to cut any part of that off from yourself. And for me, that's one of the biggest parts of self-love is allowing the full expression of oneself, mm-hmm. allowing mm-hmm. the wholeness of oneself, no mm-hmm. matter how imperfectly flawed any of those pieces are, they're your pieces. It's my pain. 
no one can ever take the story of my pain. I'm proud of my pain. Right. As much as I'm probably more proud of my pain and overcoming it than I am even my joys and my successes. Mm. Yeah. And I think also as well, not the piece of that of not, not making yourself wrong. Because I think in society, you know, where you, you know, you were talking before about, um, you know, I thought when I did these things, when I got married, got the white picket fence, all those things, because we're taught that, right? We're taught that that's yeah. the natural progression of life. Whereas it's like, well, that's just one way. And that there's no right or wrong way. It's just one way to do it. And I think sometimes, you know, we're like, oh, we got to be tough. But, it, but the thing, like you say, feeling the pain, it actually allows us to, to experience the spectrum of emotions. Because the thing is, we're going to experience them anyway. We're either going to yeah. resist it or we're going to allow it and then like thank it because it gives us that joy and that, um, I know it sounds like it's, it's a weird kind of concept, but it, it, you know, the fact that we are able to experience this rainbow of emotions is, is, it's is a, a blessing. Yeah. It's such a blessing. It's really a blessing. I mean, because there's love, there's love and there's pain. I mean, there's joy and there's pain and they're, they're on this sort of spectrum you know, but they can exist at the same time. We don't have to just be all joy or leaning all the way, you know, it's, they're dichotomies, but then they're like, you know, they're, they let us, we won't know one without the other. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I started sharing my pain, people also, I also felt an extreme depth of gratitude because many people would share with me after I would share my story, that how fortunate I was that I didn't experience pain like that till later. You know, mm. you, you don't realize that like, wow, I really have lived a very fortunate life that I didn't know this type of pain before. Sure. Right. I've, had, I've had hurt. There's hurt and there's disappointment. Right. And I think for me, that's very different than pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you've experienced pain, you know what you've experienced pain. And it's sort of like pe- you understand and relate and have a deeper level of compassion for people that have gone through pain. Yeah. I, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Because it's like that somebody passing or someone you really love passing is like, no one can undo it. No one can fix it. No one can say anything that's going to make you feel better. There's no magic fix. So it's like this, it's, it's this experience that you just don't want to have forced oh, on don't. you. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that experience of kind of like, uh, I guess, what's the word, like learning to cope with it that learning yeah. reluctance and learning to cope. Cause I think that, you know, um, that's when people, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a scientist or a doctor or anything like that, but I think maybe that's what happens when people go into shock. They're like, I'm so in shock because it's so unbelievable that I'm just like, oh, my body's just not coping initially. Oh, my body went through complete, I went through complete trauma in my body. Yeah. I probably went down to a size two or zero Wow. In spite of the fact that I was eating, I ate regularly, but my adrenals were so thrown off and in mm. distress that I wasn't really processing, absorbing food properly. And I had cold sores all on my mouth from stress. I was in complete shock. And I remember going to my doctor and I know I don't, we're probably not even planning on going this avenue in the podcast, but I went to my doctor and I said, I want you just to keep me alive. Like, what do I have to do to stay alive through this? Because I know that that degree of stress and trauma, the impact it can have on the body. And I said, what do I need to do to still process this, but stay alive? And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's an alternative integrative doctor and he gave me all the support supplements and things I needed to do. And 
And then I did what I had to do to process. And I didn't want to get another dog right away. I didn't do anything to fill the voids or stuff the, the pain. I felt it. I allowed myself to feel every bit of it mm-hmm. and move through it. Mm-hmm. And it took, it took a couple years. I moved yeah. to Bermuda from New York and it took time. And I gave myself total permission mm. and no shaming or guilting because it was a dog or Right. People would say, "Oh, just get another dog," and it's like, "No, like that's yeah, it's not the answer for me." No, so. <laughs> it's not. The answer. It's not the answer. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting as well. Even even that comment, and I know I'm I'm sure it came from a place of like wanting to help of you course, and service you. Of but it, it's just interesting that we like humans, like even that thing of trying to fix it. Right? It's like nothing's going to fix it. So us learning how to sit in the discomfort with you and be like, "Hey, I'm," you know. Maybe I don't know exactly how you feel, but I'm here with you. you yeah. Know? And I think the important takeaway for me and how I had to explain it to my friends, because people would say, yeah, I have no idea what it's like to lose a dog. And I'm like, well, do you know what it's like to lose anything, a relationship, to grieve? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, it's the same. Yeah. You know, loss is loss. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so we don't have to qualify it. Yeah type of loss it is, it's loss, it's pain. So to empathize with someone is just to meet them on that place of pain, to connect with pain. Not Mm. if you had a dog. I mean, if someone is married and they go through a divorce and you've never been married, is one not able to empathize or feel compassion, even Mm. if you've not been married, it's the same loss and grief. So yeah, Mm. I think, you know, people mean well, people are well-intentioned. And, but like you said, it's this quick fix and that's what I was not allowing myself to do. I was not going to quick fix my way out of this or put a Band-Aid on this by getting another dog or mm. doing something to distract myself from feeling it. And I had to sit in the discomfort. And that's what I encourage all my clients to do is you have to feel in order to heal. You have to move through the muddy waters and what makes you feel really uncomfortable. And the self-love journey is not, you know, better roses. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. You know, I think what I'm hearing from you is that you did the work. You know, you I may did not, you didn't ask for it. <laughs> I, I didn't ask for it. I did not. <laughs> but, you but you know, did the I, work. I, 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 you know, Talia, I will say in some spiritual realm, I did ask for it and not specifically that right. pain, but I was looking to elevate myself spiritually. I was looking to find my life's work and passion. And the minute I came to that awareness that I wanted that for myself, the moment I even started asking myself those questions, my dog transitioned right after that. And my story was born from that because I had a story, but not really a story until I I needed to feel that and experience that. And from that was born my purpose and what I love doing so much now. So I went through, when I say intense labor pain, I went through the pain. Mm-hmm. And so in a, in a way I did ask for it. And I remember sort of feeling guilty. Like I asked for this, like, cause there was, there was a moment when I'm like, you know, I knew I wanted to be a, a coach of some sort and I wanted to teach and speak. And I remember saying, how am I going to do this work and travel with my doggie? Cause I took him everywhere. And like literally a few months later he was gone and mm. it was, yeah, Gosh. it was bizarre. Oh, that's just heartbreaking hearing that. <laughs> but yeah. you know, the thing is like, I look at experiences like this as opportunities for things that are happening for me and not to me. I, I wasn't a victim. This was an opportunity. This, there was gratitude even in the midst of my pain because I was excited with where God, I'm a very spiritual person, where God was taking me next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. I love finding the, you know, the gratitude in the situation because it's tough to <laughs> it's tough to do it that is, sometimes. But it's there somewhere, right? It's always yeah. there if we just yeah. look a little deeper and you know yeah. allow ourselves to feel yeah. feel all the feels. Yeah. It's interesting, your your dog passing was a catalyst. My, a relationship ending for me, <clears throat> excuse me, was the catalyst for Rebel Love. And oh, wow. that never, this never would, we would not be having this conversation had that experience not happened. And um, and I remember, you know, the person in question, they're still alive and I, you know, and I really wish them well. I really want him to be happy and, and in love again. And, and, but it was such a, close bond that it would like, it took me six years to kind of really, mm, you know, yeah. really move through that. And it was so excruciating that I was like, <sighs> oh my gosh, you know, and, and people said to me, like, I remember someone kind of laughing at me and going, oh, you're still talking about that. And oh. I was like, I was like, wow, you really don't, you've really yeah. never experienced it before. And I, and I wasn't like, this, this is a person who I'm, I love dearly, but he just hadn't. And now it's funny, he's going through that. So oh my like, goodness. Now he's asking me for advice. Like, how did you get through it? And I was like, well. So let me, did you work with a coach or a therapist? Because, you know, grief work takes work. And if we don't have the tools, sometimes we can prolong the healing journey or kind of get stuck in the grief. And if, if we don't have the tools and mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the things that I believe is that, you know, sometimes the deeper the loss, the deeper the pain, the deeper to call to self-love. Right, yeah. the deeper the awareness to turn, come back to self, mm-hmm. and that's what my journey was, and it sounds like yours was too. Is like to really remember my me, remember whatever parts of me I had given away over the years that were coming. Because you know, one loss brings up all the other past losses if we haven't dealt with it, right? And that's why, like many of us, feel sort of this melancholy over the holidays, you know, because a lot of our grief and loss and sadness comes up around the holidays. And sometimes we can't even pinpoint what it is. You know, it's like, I just feel sad. It's the holidays. Well, because grief and big holidays that are, you know, celebratory and family events, they bring up moments of loss. So we're grieving a lot of different things in life, you know, and, and even when you people, even if you get a new job and you move to a new city and you can be so excited about moving to this new city, but you have the right to grieve your former life. Totally. You know, like this was part of you. This was a part of your life. The friends you made, the connections you had, the time you fell in love here. So, Mm -hmm. you know, grief is as much a part of life as living is. Mm -hmm. And also as well, like, um, I I think also as well, try not to let the pressures of society and what you should do, like Mm -hmm. impact your experience. Like I just recently moved house and it's like the, my new place is way better than my old place. And it's just in a different part of town. And I was kind of grieving leaving the part of town yeah. I was in. And people were saying to me, like, what's your problem? This is such a gift. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a gift. I'm so grateful. I'm really, really grateful for the situation that's presenting itself. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to miss my old place and my old... Because we yeah. had a really uh, harsh lockdown last year. And I was in that for 100 days by myself, you know, and I had this experience. And Anyway, and, and I remember feeling and thinking, wow, it's funny how everyone's kind of trying to push me along. And again, it's with love, but it's like, I'm still allowed to feel those feelings. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I- That's part of the process. And, you know, when I, I lived for 18 years in New York City, 18 years, I was a, I'd lived there lo- longer than I lived in any city. It was a huge part of my life. And I left there and I moved to Bermuda. And when it was time for me to leave, I went through, it was just, it was, it was difficult. 
course. And everyone's like, why are you sad? You're going to Bermuda. And, you're do-. and I'm like, yeah, you know, you're allowed to be sad. Years of my life was here. <laughs> totally. I, I'm, it doesn't, one doesn't negate the other. I'm still very much excited for my new life, but uh-huh. I had my dog in the city and now I'm leaving the city where I had my life for 18 years. And my dog was part of that and the relationships I cultivated. I'm allowed to grieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and New York be, is pretty amazing as well. I it love is. New York. It's yeah, such and, a great city. And you still have room to be joyful and anticipating the excitement of your new life. The, the heart can contain all of that. It can hold space at the same time for all those mm-hmm. different emotions. And that's what I think is just so amazing about the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just want to kind of point out to the listeners, like I feel like what we're describing is like honoring honoring how you feel, even if somebody's kind of, you know, holding up a mirror that most of the time is, is their reflection, not yours, you know, yeah. like, why are you so upset about this? It's like, well, cause I am, and that's okay. I'm allowed to be like not letting And, then, and people can learn wrong. from us. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, people are like, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, right. give yourself permission. You know, again, sometimes people just don't know what to say, but you know, even if, even if you're a, a person who's never had children and then you have a child, while they're still grieving your single life, the way life looked like before you became a parent, like transition in life cause, causes grief, causes mourning. We're giving up different parts of ourselves. We're morphing into new parts of us. So allow ourselves to grieve what we're shedding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when the shedding is good for us, like we can still like, yeah honor that. And even, even sometimes people don't want to let go of pain because pain is their pain has become comfortable for them and they don't want to grieve and let go of their pain. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying stay in your pain forever because it feels good and you're used to it. Like we want to move through pain, but you can still hold space for it. Yes. I love that. I love that you use those words, hold space. So in answer to your question before, I did get some help. And one of my, um, I actually have a lot of coaches. I'm very pro coach, very pro, um, pro counseling, pro psychology, all of that. I just, it's been so helpful in my life. I, you know, I can't even, I I can't even state how, how helpful it's been for me, but I have this particular coach and he, and he's all always about holding space. And, um, and you know what he said, he said to me, he said to me, Talia, one of the things he said, and this is kind of the vein of a lot of his coaching was. Uh, you know how you want somebody to come and be in that space with you, like kind of, you know, hold that space for you. He goes, well, you've got to hold that space for yourself. That's it. And I was like, (laughs) that's the conscious, that's the conscious love and dating method. That is really what it's all about. Well, let's, let's talk about that because this is a great segue. So tell us a little bit about the conscious dating method and, and what, how is conscious dating different from the way we've been kind of dating? Oh man, the way we've been dating like so many other aspects of our lives is built on so many old narratives and programming. And, you know, we need to reprogram our belief systems. We need to reprogram relationships, what they look like, you know, relationships before, because I'm, I'm going to claim that we're in a new space of relationships with conscious dating relationships before were often built on a scarcity mindset, you know, built on this idea that we're looking for this person to complete us. So if we're looking for completion, that's saying we're not whole. That's saying that we're looking, that we are approaching a relationship with a scarcity mindset, that we're not enough on our own unless we have, like I said, remember, you know, the, the dog, the, the family, the kids, right? That's been this programming in everything in our culture, you know, especially in the Western world of, of you know, having all these accoutrements to which equate to success. 
what is success? And so dating and relationships and marriage, all of that has been impacted by those programming. And if you look at the percentage of divorces, it's like over 50% in the United States. So we've gone wrong somewhere. And we've also made relationships about seeking this person, this idea of a person that's supposed to make us happy, that's supposed to fill in the voids and fulfill us. Well, no one has the responsibility or should have that responsibility. That's a pretty weighted responsibility Mm -hmm. to fulfill us, to make us happy. I don't want to be the source of someone's total happiness. I want to be a little piece of it, a little piece of it. And so the conscious dating method is really about, as you said, the space you want someone else to hold for you is to hold that sacred love and space for self. It's dating from the mindset of, I want to learn about myself. I want to grow from the person I've been in my past relationships. And the way I'm going to do that is very strategic. I'm going to approach dating with a very inquisitive, lighthearted mindset. And I'm going to explore different people from a place of curiosity and self-discovery. I'm going to learn about myself. And as you're dating, you're exploring yourself, who you are, what you want, what are your needs. And we don't know any of those things. We don't know the inner work that we've done until we have the reflections of relationship showing up for us. So it's dating from less seeking and more becoming. Mm. Become the person that we want. Mm -hmm. Do the inner work. Practice the skills of dating and love and relationships. So it's also about as you're dating and you're, you know, while it's very intentional, you are dating with intentionality and self-awareness. It's releasing the attachment to the outcome. So you're dating with a little less, I got to have this, I got to have this clinginess to something. Because when we cling to things, it keeps, us so, it, keeps it away from us. Mm-hmm. But it's saying, okay, I know this is what I desire for my life in the long term, right? This is my plan. I want to be in a relationship. I want to be married or I want to you know, live with someone, whatever that desire is. But your pursuit of it is not so rigidly connected to, I got to get there. It's living in the moment, right? Like anything else. Because when we get too focused on the future of having that thing, we're missing the moment and we're just bringing anxiety and stress and, oh my God, when are they going to propose? And when is this? And when are they, you know, when am I going to meet someone? And it keeps what we desire further and further away from us. So the conscious dating method is about dating with intentionality, Mm -hmm. Mm self-love, self-awareness, curiosity, and um, present moment awareness. Like be present and discover who you are in this very lighthearted way. And by shifting that mindset of like, okay, I've, I, you know, this person checks off all my boxes and I'm going to go out with them and maybe they're the one we get, we take that off the table and we're just out there having connections and fun experiences. And when I say fun, I don't mean just throw caution to the wind and just be casual and dating. No, what I mean is it's just coffee. It's just coffee. It's just lunch. It's not a lunch with your husband or wife or partner. It's just a coffee date. Learn how to communicate on that date. Learn how to practice vulnerability. Learn how to practice rejection. Learn how to practice being rejected. Learn how to, right? Learn how to practice resolving conflict. These are all the tools that we can start practicing now as we're dating and cultivating relationships rather than when we get married or in long-term partnership and we're like, oh, oh, I need these skills. Oh, okay, I guess I better study it and brush up on these, these tools. No, we learn the tools in the process of 
and they're forever tools, right? These are tools we use for a lifetime, whether right. we're in a relationship or not. Mm-hmm. And then really the crux of the conscious dating method is you, we are the person that we're searching for. You are that person. You are that sacred relationship that you want to connect with. And when we connect with that person and love and honor that person with devotion and commitment and the things that we value in someone else, that's when we can approach relationships from a healthier place. And we're more likely to attract the match that aligns with us. So Mm -hmm. getting clear on our core values and dating from a core value heart-centered perspective. Mm -hmm. That's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I (laughs) I love that. I think that... um... I mean, I've had the experience of having that type of dating and I've also had the experience of of not having that type of dating. So you spoke about, um, you know, not projecting, not thinking that I'm sitting down with my future husband and, you know, (laughs) my future family. It's hard for us. We do that. I'm going to say like, you know, I I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I have spoken to other women in in the same position that I'm in. You know, when you hit 35 and you don't have a partner or and you do want kids, there is this kind of sense of panic. And I am in a lot of groups. Um, and I, I see this a lot, and it's really interesting because I was talking to my friend about it, and and it was, and she was like, Talia, you cannot approach dating from this space, and I was like, I'm very aware of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very yeah. aware of that. But here's the thing: like, it's one thing to say it, right? Like, we can know all these things, but how do we really embody it and practice it? And I think this is yeah. where you know I'd love the some some tips around this because I feel like, yeah, you know, it's easy yeah. to say, but sometimes it's, it is easy to say, you know, but. Imagine, you know, hitting 40 and you're, that hasn't been fulfilled for you. And that happened for me. And it was like, oh my, but I'm not married now, but I can tell you, I don't feel as if anything's missing in my life. Right. So the key is to really find a life that you love. Right. I love that. That is the focus. Do what you love. Create a life of experiences that are joyful and pleasurable and fulfilling, pleasurable and fulfilling for you. Create work that you love. Those are, the, those are the qualities of a life that uh, will bring greater substance to a relationship, but also greater fulfillment for self. And you might be surprised when you discover that you can be happy with the things that you thought you never could be. It's so empowering. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, you know, it sounds sort of cliche. And I remember Oprah used to say this all the time. But everything we really need in this world, we have inside of us. And that's really the truth. And so the external things that we desire, if we just turn, shift that narrative to, okay, what is it that I really want in being in a partner with someone? Write those things down and create those things that you want in someone else. Create it within yourself. How can I create that partnership with myself? How can I create romance with myself? How can I be you know, companionship, right? Do you enjoy your own company? Take yourself out on a date. Treat yourself the way you want someone else to be treated. It's really about loving yourself and for creating a life that you fall in love with. Yeah. And then when the time is right, when you, you know, if we want healthy, sustainable relationship, when the time is right, that person will come and we can't force that. You know, I could even say now, like, wow, you know, I thought I was ready three or four years ago, but then I'm like, wow, I kind of see how I needed this growth. I needed this experience. And I don't think we have to be perfect to find love. Absolutely not. But I I will say, and you may not like, like me for saying this and your listeners, but you know, when you decide to take the journey 
the spiritual journey, the inner work journey, you're raising the bar. The standards become a lot higher. So if you just want any kind of relationship, then don't do the spiritual work. Don't do the inner work. Totally. (laughs) But once you start doing that deep work, yeah, things come a little harder because you're working for things that are going to meet you at that deeper level. So unfortunately, most people, a lot of people are not going to be a exact frequency or match to that. So it does make the process a little harder mm-hmm. and you can't unsee what you see. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you yeah. want to be blind and walk through life and just like not have the tools and the skills and do the inner work, great. And yeah. you can probably create a relationship, but yeah, once you go into the deep dive of that inner work, it makes the journey a little bit more, it's rewarding in a different way. You know, you, you're inviting growth into your life. Growth is going to happen either way. Well, no, experiences are going to happen either way. Growth is an option. That's a good one. I think I'm going to use that on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I, I, I Challenges totally... are an automatic, but growth is not. We have to choose to grow. And when you choose to grow and you're on this journey, it does make connecting with that person a little more challenging. Yeah. But what's, what's the flip side of that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You, you wake up in like 10 years and you're really unhappy and you've wasted all this time. And, you know, by doing the work now, I I remember Tony Robbins said something that really always stuck with me. He he talked about, you know, a lot of people like write down the perfect partner. What are, what is he or she going to say? What are they going to do? Yada, yada, yada. And then he said, well, what kind of person do you have to be to attract that person. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a good question. (laughs) And I was like, great question. Yeah. What would she do? And I was like, well, she'd behave like this. Like you're saying, if you're saying I want someone who's fit and works out and values their health, well, are you that person as well? Are you going to match? Would that kind of person be with the kind of person you are now, you know? And yeah. so it really kind of puts into perspective and, and gives you that ownership on, hang on, this is my Absolutely. life. I'm at the, you know, steering the ship. So, you know, is yeah, it going to just be sailing away in the wind or am I in control of it? <laughs> in control of it. It's absolutely true. I posted something on Instagram today that said, meet the requirements of your requirements. Meet the requirements of your requirements. So oftentimes, you know, and I work largely with women in my groups, you know, they have this list of things that they want in someone and these standards of someone that are higher than the standards that they have for themselves. So is it fair for us to ask of someone else that we're not even willing to show up with within our own lives? Mm -hmm. So, but if that is something you aspire to have in your life, then practice becoming that. That's the conscious dating method. If you want a partner who lives in there and who has integrity, how are you matching that in your life? Do you align? Is that a core value for you? right? Because it's not fair for us to be like, well, you know, I want a person who has a lot of morals and integrity, but yet we don't honor our, the word we keep with ourselves. So create what we want in someone else and that relationship with self. Be committed to yourself. Be consistent in your word and the things that you say that you're going to do. Have self-discipline, self-commitment, self-devotion, you know, not looking for someone else to be devoted to you. Yes, you want that, but start off by having that expectation and standard to be devoted to yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just think you're, everything you're saying just makes so much sense <laughs> to me. And I just think it's so helpful. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap up. You know, I feel like there's a, with a lot of things we're talking about today and a lot of, um, if, if someone is, who's listening 
hasn't started this journey yet, you know, it can seem kind of daunting. So I guess um, what I'd like to know is where's a great first step? What's the first step to, to this journey? Sure. I'd always say meditation, you know, and there's a lot of resources. I love one of the books I read when I was starting my own self-taught meditation practice. I read David G's book, The Secret of Med- The Secrets of Meditation. Okay. And, you know, there's so many different types of meditation on YouTube. There's different apps. Find a meditation. Start with three minutes a day, five minutes a day. You really want to build up to 20 minutes twice a day if you can. Start there. That's the place where we begin to connect with ourselves, with our thoughts in a deeper way. And pausing, taking this pause to notice ourselves, to be the observer of ourselves, to know that I don't have to be the person who made the mistakes in my past. I'm not defined by that. But can I be the observer of the person showing up in the room and who she is and how she feels? I would start there. I also think a gratitude practice is a very easy, powerful way to implement a technique that's not only powerful, but it really changes the way we see things that happen in our lives and our experiences. Like I spoke about my dog, as horrible as it was for me, I also focused on what I knew was coming from it. Mm -hmm. I knew it and I was grateful for the growth and the insight and the things that I, the creativity that was coming to me, my podcast, my this, all these things that flourished from it. I was grateful for it. So start the journey with meditation and gratitude. Every day, write down five things you're grateful for, 10 things. And you can say that in your meditation, you can do a gratitude meditation, you can journal it. I like to journal it. I like to say it out loud and just, you know, it shifts the mindset from thinking of negative things and what we don't have and shifts our focus to what we have in every moment, even in this pandemic, what do we have that we can be grateful for? Mm -hmm. I would start there. And then if you've not done any of the inner work, and let me tell you, that's enough because that will lead you to the next step and then the next step. And then you'll find other teachers, find coaches, find courses, find workshops that speak to you and find podcasts that connect with you. And here's the thing, whatever we seek finds its way to us. And when we're ready, when the student is ready, the Buddha says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So all you have to do is say yes. Accept the invocation to take the deeper work and embark on the journey because it's in the challenges, it's in the valleys that we build our character. It's where we strengthen our spiritual musculature and we're able to use the tools that we're learning. And I know that can be sort of off-putting for people like, well, I don't know if I really want to do this spiritual work because if I do, then I'm kind of inviting hardship in my life. Well. Right. The thing is, is that the hardships in life are going to happen anyway, but the spiritual journey is going to give you the tools to navigate them with a different sense of grace and ease. And that's self-love. When you can give grace to yourself, no matter what, no matter what, like you've accepted that relationship with self and that beautiful relationship with self that's built with grace and compassion. That's the That's the beauty of the relationship that you want to foster with someone else, but it has to start with recognizing that grace with self and that devotion with self. Angela, I think that was such a perfect wrap up (laughs) of this podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I just think this has just been so helpful. Thank you, Talia. I, I appreciate speaking to the 
I'm going to call you guys rebel lovers and yeah, love to come back anytime. I hope that it was helpful to everyone listening. Oh, I'd love to have you. And um, just for everybody listening, um, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Sure. Thanks for asking. So you can always email me at info at love sanctuary and someone will get back to you. I'll try or one of my, uh, my assistant will. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Angela N. Holton. And my next course, I teach the Conscious Love and Dating Method eight-week course. And we're also soon going through some rebranding things. So if you see a different name for it, it's still the same course, but it's going deeper and richer. And we're launching again sometime in mid-April. Again, you can email me or you can go to the website, lovesanctuary.com and get on the wait list and book a 20-minute call with me and see how I can support you. Awesome. Awesome. And you can find all the links mentioned in this episode and the links to Angela's website uh, at rebellove.com forward slash EP21. Again, that's rebellove.com forward slash EP21. And if you like the podcast, please feel free to leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you again, Angela. You're a legend. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Talia. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.